welcome to the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast with your hosts, Emma and Jake D'Souza. This week, we are going to be talking about political ideologies. It is actually something that has been in my mind for a while, so I'm really excited to, you know, get get an opportunity to discuss this subject a little wider. Before we get started, I want to kick off by saying hi to our patron, Neil. Hi. Hello, Neil. Uh, For anyone else that would like to support the podcast, we do have a Patreon page, which you can find in the show notes. All right, let's get started. Political ideologies. Northern Ireland is often seen through the binary prism of unionism versus nationalism or us ones versus them ones. This week was a perfect display of the dysfunctional political system that we have here in Northern Ireland when the DUP, the Democratic Unionist Party, that name doesn't really suit them. When you think about it, democratic. Um, Oxymoron. (laughs) uh, When they vetoed the public health recommendations of the health minister while using the cross-community mechanism that we have here. Worth noting, that's not part of the Good Friday Agreement, guys, but actually came through the St. Andrew's Agreement. Anyway, the cross-community veto uh, or mechanism is not meant to be used to veto public health. Uh, That is not a green or orange issue. And unfortunately, the DUP, um, not for the first time during this global pandemic, have tried to make COVID-19 a green versus orange issue. And the dysfunction this week was just so grim to watch our political representatives bicker and argue and struggle for four days straight while businesses were desperately waiting any kind of clarity as to what was going to happen to them. And uh, this all would have been avoided if the DUP hadn't used the cross-community veto at the start of the week because all the other parties supported the public health recommendations for obvious reasons. Even the uh, the, the national, what was the, the other uh, unionist party, right? The UUP, the Ulster Unionist Party. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, the health minister, Robin Swan, is a unionist and he himself today on um, Sunday Politics was noting that the cross-community veto was used against him, a unionist Minister, you know, so the whole thing was just really dysfunctional. And um, it's, you know, it also highlighted how those within uh, the assembly who do not put themselves down as unionist or nationalist actually lose their voices whenever this happens, when they cross community mechanism is put in place. So lots of uh, issues to unpack there and a good time to talk about this issue and uh, concept of political ideology. So what is a political ideology? In social studies, a political ideology is a certain set of ethical ideas, principles, doctrines, myths, or symbols of a social movement, institution, class, or large group that explains how society should work and offers some political and cultural blueprint for a certain social order. But here in Northern Ireland, the only, uh, it seems, uh, doctrine uh, or symbol of your political ideology is you're either for the union or you're not. There are, of course, many political ideologies in the world. There's conservatism, liberalism, populism, feminism. They are all a complex combination of beliefs and values. So why is it that in Northern Ireland, it has to be just one thing only? It's very simplistic and binary in its nature. You have to be a unionist or a nationalist. And it seems like both of those political ideologies are based on really one thing. Unionism being that you're for the Union, and nationalism being that you're for United Ireland. And really, that seems pretty archaic and um, 
very simplistic because political ideologies are far more complex as we are as people. We have a whole load of different views that can't really be summed up into just one question. So this episode we're going to use to discuss a little bit about that and discuss uh, what makes Northern Ireland work or not work. To get started, I thought actually we would discuss a little bit about U.S. politics because it's obviously been on a lot of our minds recently with the U.S. election. Go Joe Biden. We were pro-Biden, pro, pro <laughs> unashamedly. Um, and Jake, of course, being from the U.S., I thought it would be good, Jake, to bring in your perspective of coming here to Northern Ireland and trying to navigate this whole unionism versus nationalism um, system that we have in place. Do you think it draw, there's any similarities between what we have here and the U.S.'s political ideologies? There's definitely there's definitely similarities, but there's also stark differences. Like in, in the United States, of course, people define uh, who they are as a person based on whether they're a Democrat, a liberal, you know, a uh, someone who believes in... Uh, they'll both claim they believe in freedom, but a very different freedom. Some people... You know, on the right side, will claim freedom is the ability to walk out, walk around with a you know semi-automatic weapon on their hip, uh, and the, those on the left will say freedom is the uh, ability to be not have someone walking down the street next to you with a gun around their neck. Exactly, and not to feel the fear of the oppression of someone who might be in a different what, what's considered maybe a ruling class or an upper class, um, and uh, of course freedom to be who you are, you know, the, the whole LGBTQ plus movement. Um, and, you know, the, these are very diametrically opposed ideologies, but both of them revolve around the concept of the personal idea of freedom. Um, but yeah, I, I was raised in a very liberal household. Uh, so my, would you call yourselves liberals or Democrats? I mean, I'd call myself a liberal. I don't really, I, I, I of course have always voted Democrat. Because that's the best. As well, you can't say it's the best. There's of course other parties. You know, it's not just a two-party system. But when trying to make sure that the worst of them don't go into politics, you do have to at least as far as strategically I'm, vote. Yeah, exactly. I've always been a strategic voter. So yeah, I vote Democrat, but I'm liberal. I mean, I'm I wouldn't just vote for a Democrat if there was a better option uh, that you know wouldn't be just basically wasting my vote. Hold on, hold on. So. You're telling me that you hold a different political ideology than the party you support? I know. That happens shock, outside of Northern Ireland. Can you believe it? I know. Yeah, well, that's the, that's a huge difference here is because in Northern Ireland, you have, I'm sure there are people that would be more liberal uh, and people that would be more uh, conservative. Um, but you you really, there there's so little gray area and there's a lot of shaming on anyone who doesn't identify as you know, uh, one or the other, the, I, I, one of the biggest issues is that not only is it a political choice, but a lot of people, uh, tie this in with, you know, of course, whether or not they're Irish or they're British, uh, and whether it's a Protestantism or Catholicism. And these are, these Certainly are. Certainly religion does not play, uh, as big a role in us, uh, voting at all. I mean, you know, you're Jewish, so no, where it, do yeah, you fall? Exactly. There are still, I mean, you hear it all the time, the whole, uh, you know, oh, the Jews are controlling, it's the, the giant, the Jew agenda, the, you know, uh, uh, the global Jew conspiracy, and uh, the, the entertainment industry is just run by this evil Jewish... But does know, that motive. really play a part in politics? Yeah, I mean, it 
it does, because these people who are your diehard Trump conservative Republicans think that all these, you know, the opinions of the masses are being run by. I mean, you can just look it up. If you search Jewish media, Jewish entertainment, you'll probably find a lot of I mean, you'll find some results that are like, you know, uh, Larry David, famous Jewish comedy writer is this and that. But you'll also find a lot of much more pointed conspiracy theory results from people who claim uh, that the media, the liberal media and the the entertainment industry, they're all run by a shadowy you know, uh, whether Dark it be figures. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait for whenever we don't have to talk like that anymore because it really has been uh, exaggerated over the past four years during the Trump administration, this whole liberal elite media and fake news. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to go back to a time where it's normal and we can stop being so... Uh, I don't yeah. know what the word is. It's just been so contentious and fraught and tense for the past four years. And the language that has been coming out of the U.S. has been very, very toxic. But um, I want to talk a little bit about how you felt as a voter in the U.S. Did you ever feel uh, that you were defined by your political ideology? Like, is that something people would ask you about? Was it something that you had to you know, share with people? Did you ever feel that people assumed your political ideology. I mean, I guess you could say that I, homogenous isn't the right word, but I want to say that pretty much everybody in the groups of people that I hung out with, the entire communities that I grew up in, the whole of you know the greater Los Angeles area tends to be very liberal. So, but but but, do you know that? Like, do you really know that all your friends are liberals and all vote Democrat? Because sometimes you can be surprised. You, you can, can assume be. that your your buddy is uh, just like you and and, and uh, is voting Democrat it, and be surprised to find out that they actually vote the other way. If that's the case, yes, of course, it would be very surprising because of the way I, you know, I've, I've come to know my friends. I, you know, it's hard to imagine the same kids that grew up watching Tim and Eric Awesome Show and Aqua Teen Hunger Force mm-hmm. were also uh, diehard Trump supporters. I don't believe it. But uh, if in some magical world these kids were like that growing up, uh, then it's such a non-issue because even if they do vote that way, it never came up uh, that it's really not the same as it is here because here it would certainly have come up. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that is... I mean, my experience of being in the United States and also my experience more broadly of being in in other countries, because when I was younger, I traveled around a lot and I lived in New Zealand for two years. And I find that there, uh, you know, no one asked me what my political view was. Uh, You know, I wasn't being asked, well, are you a unionist or a nationalist? Are you a liberal or a conservative? It's not something that is typically what you would discuss when you're, you know, going out for dinner with a friend or you're meeting someone for the first time or you're just trying to live your life in society. I don't find that in my experience, it's supposed to be such a common and defining aspect of people. Whereas I find being home here, that it is very much a defining feature that there is this tendency to have to focus in on defining people as either or. And the older I've got, the more I've seen this and find it to be very perplexing as to why we're so focused on trying to ascertain what a person's political views are instead of just, you know, knowing who they are as a person first. Right. 
well, here politics, like like we covered, really does uh, intertwine with so many other aspects of social uh, and uh, religious and other areas of people's lives. That's true. It is a complex combination of national identity and religion. And of course, it's it is deeply entwined into the creation of Northern Ireland and into the you know decades of troubles and violence that we had here. A lot, a lot of that was to do also with um, the intertwining of um, nationalism and unionism and Catholics and Protestants. It is a very um, complex and traumatic history that we have here, which is why I view the concept of moving away from those um, labels as being a good thing. I think it's a positive to move away from a defining term that maybe isn't actually being used in a positive way in 2020. Yeah. uh, It's funny though, because like I, when I think of Los Angeles being predominantly liberal, I don't think of that as a bad thing. You know, maybe that's a, you know, a bunch of Democrats in one area, all, you know, congealing together. It, it could seem, you know, dangerously one-sided in a lot of ways, but to me, maybe it's just because I grew up in it, but it seems very normal and seems very progressive. It seems like the right thing. But mm-hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of conservative uh, right wing individuals, uh, especially the far right, uh, that would look at that as, you know, literally disgusting and nauseating. And they think that was the, you know, a bunch of brainwashed sheeple who need to wake up and uh, sheeple. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a favorite I've seen a lot of. I cannot wait. I mean, for the amount of people who unironically use the word sheeple and wake up in statements where, you know, you see them all the time. They're doing their little like videos in their car, ranting at their phone on the verge of tears, yelling, you know, into the abyss. You know, even um, members of the the you know the Trump administration and Trump's own kid is guilty of talking about how much he thirsts for those liberal tears. You know, it's just like gross, gross shit. So yeah, we uh, are looking forward to a much uh, a much brighter future. Yeah. For the American people. Yep. Um, but political ideologies um, is something that I really wanted to discuss at the moment for personal reasons, too. Because I grew up in a family where it didn't matter and it was never discussed. Like, I didn't know. Here I am in my 30s and I, you know, I had to ask my mom. So, like, what are you? What's your political ideology? Like, what do you believe in politically? Because I didn't know the answer because we never talked about it. It was never relevant. It was never something we discussed in our house. Politics was just not a part of my upbringing. And so uh, since her case and, you know, we um, having come out and sort of been putting ourselves into the public eye, I find that uh, some people really want to know what my political viewpoints were. And some even were sure they knew what they were without ever having asked me or discussed with me as to what they might be. And I find that quite perplexing. And as someone who um, was always a little bit of a rebel and, you know, in school, I remember being pulled out by my head of year and told that I had a problem with authority. Uh, I I don't take well to this um, sort of forced political ideology uh, where people will assume and label what my views are without actually allowing me to express them. And I find that very perplexing and very common here in Northern Ireland. It is, and it, but it can't be that hard to expect because so many people, we've already talked about it, so many people expect certain things. If you match one of the uh, check boxes, if you're a liberal, uh, or I guess here you don't really use that term very often, but if you uh, 
I guess what what would you associate liberalism here? What's the the closest thing? Would that just be? Well, uh, you would associate liberalism more with a nationalism. I would right. so, I would say because unionism is more linked to conservatism. You know, you look at the DUP and certainly. some of their policies. Um, so, so those connections can be made here, but there seems to be an inability to accept the possibility that there might just be liberals here that don't actually label themselves nationalists. But how how often is it that you'll find a um, a Catholic uh, pro, uh, DUP supporter or a hey you know, they exist. I, right, I'm they sure, but exist. I want to know how often it happens. Like, where, are there statistics that cover this? Are, are there groups of people that are, you know, they identify as British, but they vote for Sinn Féin and they live in a uh, Protestant neighborhood? Like, there are, I mean, I would say absolutely there are people uh, in Northern Ireland that, that that is what happens. I mean, there, but there's an inability here to... Um, to sort of understand the complexities and gray areas that do exist in this whole connection between identity and political views and how they all intermingle. You know, the there is a lot of gray areas in all political ideologies and different shades. There'll be different shades of conservatives, different shades of feminists, different shades of populists. Um, but here it seems to be an all or nothing approach where there isn't um, an ability to really process the possibility of these soft unionists who might not vote for the DUP or even the UUP. They might vote Alliance. They might even strategically vote for the Green Party or the right. SDLP or Sinn Féin. In the same vein that there will be people who might be nationalists, but they might vote for the Alliance Party or they might even vote for the UUP. Who knows? That's just how uh, broad and complex the mix of identity and political views, which are a whole host of different issues. I mean, within any political ideology, there's lots of different values and beliefs. So take, for example, a recent contentious um, issue here was whenever we finally got the right to abortion services in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Incredibly overdue and really painful to see how many people suffered from not being able to access this basic human right, the right to choose, a woman's right to choose. It's right. so important and to have health care. But it was divisive here because we have a whole load of fundamentalists who um, can't seem to fathom the fact that people are entitled to make their own free choice. That's right. And... The, um, and Sinn Féin uh, went with being a pro-choice party. And at the time, whenever they made that clear, um, a lot of Sinn Féin supporters, well, not a lot. Okay, that's definitely an exaggeration. But a group. But there was a group that did not stand by this uh, policy and couldn't agree with it because they uh, were, I guess, anti-choice. But these would have been the same kind of people that would have done the same in the South, in the Republic, uh, especially with, you know, same-sex marriage. Uh, well, of course, there was a small contingent in the South as well um, who didn't support those and, and were very, very conservative in their views, but they were voting for Sinn Féin or they were voting for Fianna Foyle. Or, so you see how the there's a, a complex intertwining there of of personal beliefs and values. And once a party expresses something that you don't believe in, then people can change their vote. You know, there will be some that potentially might have switched from voting Sinn Féin to, yeah, I hate to say it, but maybe even the DUP. Oh, shudder. That was I definitely... I mean, I know, I know. But 
I, I did have some conversations with people who said that that was something that they were considering oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the U, the DUP was the only um, the only anti choice. That's how I'm going to exactly. refer to that it. Is the way, that is the way it should be <laughs> yeah, referred to um, by all people. Party left in Northern Ireland, and they were switching their entire political voting to a party that they didn't agree with anything else to do with that party. Only this one issue, based on that one issue. So, it is very complex in terms of how we. Um, vote and how we view our political beliefs. But there still is this very hardened view in Northern Ireland that you have to be one or the other. And I I just, I, st- I struggle to understand it a little bit as to why we're so focused on these terminologies. Now, I have only ever been publicly referred to as a nationalist by one publication. And this might be an indicator as to how these terms, unionist and nationalist, are actually not used to benefit us here in Northern Ireland, but rather used as a ways of, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're used to, they're used against us. Let's just put it that way. So the only publications ever called me a nationalist is the newsletter. And the newsletter, as I'm sure no one will be surprised to know, don't write very favorable things about me. And um, a few of their their regular contributors really don't seem to like the work that I do for the Good Friday Agreement um, or for people here in Northern Ireland. And when they refer to me as a nationalist, they're not doing so because they spoke to me and ascertained that I was a nationalist and that was my viewpoint. And they're not doing so to help me. They're doing so as a dog whistle to a part of their base. It's a derogatory term that they're using against you. A word that some people would use as, you know, a point of pride and others would use it simply as a a means of identifying what they support. They they use it the same exact word uh, for, for an entirely different purpose. That's it. And that's that's the problem that I take with some of the terminology here is that it can be used against us. And it so often is. So for me, and, and having that situation where you know, they had this one publication that has decided my political beliefs for me, um, and it, it just made me think more about my own personal beliefs. And I haven't ever described myself as a nationalist, and certainly, unsurprisingly, not a unionist. But no. to be clear as well, uh, I, of course, have the greatest respect for anyone that does choose to be exactly. a nationalist identified that way. A, a nationalism isn't a bad word. Exactly. It's, it's, just it's, a, not, it's, a, it's not a bad word. So be, to be clear, we're not saying it's a bad of word. Of course not. It's it's <laughs> simply, it's just silly to try to turn people into something that they're not. If you're, you know, if you're not a nationalist, if you're not a conservative, if you're not a liberal, you're just not one of those things. You might, you know, have certain belief systems which overlap in the massive Venn Many diagram. Many of them of, do overlap. Yeah, you know? they do. Exactly. Uh, even... You know, some of the opposite political parties, the opposing political parties will have views that overlap with one another. You know, sometimes those uh, politicians who hold those views are uh, unceremoniously booted from the party. But the point <laughs> is, there are still people who uh, can side on on one side of the aisle, but still uh, have the same beliefs and principal core ideals in certain areas as those on the other side of the aisle. And none of these... Uh, in in essence should be bad things but you know any any form of extremism tends to be bad and i i will come out and say that i think the dup are bad bad dup (laughs) well i'm not going to disagree but um (laughs) but yeah so i don't know if this um 
aversion I have to the term in many ways is because of the fact that we just spent five years saying that I'm not British and I just uh, I don't like forced uh, labels or forced identities on people. And I've only recently started to share a little bit more about my own political viewpoints and I have come out as one of the others in Northern Ireland. Seems to be a dirty word here. Um, a person that doesn't identify as unionist or nationalist is seen as a bad thing. I don't really know why. You're not um, assimilating. You're not... Uh, not. It's Yeah, it's perplexing. It's an odd one. And um, it's, it's because that's just how I view myself. I never described myself as as anything in particular and uh, maybe maybe a, a liberal at some point would be maybe. where, where You're I definitely would fall. a liberal yeah but I never really gave myself a no a because label. that term doesn't come up very much here in, yeah for but um reason but you were raised you were raised in a uh, an Irish Catholic setting uh though your father was not Irish Catholic that's uh, right. so he he had but a whole to be it. clear I asked my dad actually recently I said to him you know so what's you know, what's your political viewpoint? Again, not knowing it because my family are just, they don't talk politics. And I think I'm actually blessed that I had that upbringing. Right. Um, but, you know, he would not describe himself as a unionist, so even though he a, identifies as British and is in the army. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a great example of uh, someone who really, obviously, being a part of the British army, you would have a, a million people would have a, an immediate association in their head. Well, we know exactly what he does and who he mm -hmm. votes for. But there you have it. Perfect example of someone who does not fall within the uh, prescribed, uh, you know, set of, of rules. Maybe my entire family is an anomaly. Maybe. Yeah, that would explain a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I find that a lot of people try to ascertain what my political views are. And I'm not going to give myself a label because I don't like them and I don't associate with one in particular. So instead, here's a raft of things that I believe in. And you can just decide what you think I am then. Um, <laughs> so uh, I am pro-choice. I believe in... Um, the right to die with dignity. And I'm very interested to see that bill being discussed in the South and that New Zealand have just um, passed it and put it to the people, which is incredible. I believe in gun control and I think it's mad that they don't have uh, gun control in the US uh, to a much higher degree. Um, how you can say there's gun control full stop, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm obviously pro-equality across the full board um, with every possible equality issue there is. Uh, I believe in social housing. I believe in, you know, having a stable economy that supports people that um, are on low incomes. What do you think, Jake? Am I liberal? Uh, I would say just, I mean, call me crazy, but that all sounds like you're part of the liberal agenda. Oh God, but I mean, I don't drink lattes, so but I don't think I can't. You, uh, you drink lattes. You have. I've seen you drink a latte. Look, if it's not a flat white, I'm not interested. What's the difference? I mean, this is so. That's so. Somebody page Jamie Bryson because the reality is, it's not lattes anymore, guys. It's flatties. Okay, if you're not drinking a flat white, you're not a true liberal. Flatty. That's like right. That. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I fall, and I haven't found a political home in Northern Ireland. I haven't found where my politics really lie, but I have definitely decided that they don't lie in the binary view of being one or the other. And it's something I've spoken about a little bit more. And I wrote a couple of articles where I've mentioned it only in passing, you know, the, the middle ground in Northern Ireland or those who don't ascribe to either ideology. And I find myself getting a surprising amount of pushback for this viewpoint. 
And I've seen phrases like fence sitters or, you know, those perpetuating the status quo. Or I even saw one person say that those who say they're in the middle grind and don't identify as unionists and nationalists are extremists. Kind of the opposite. What? It's kind of the opposite of what That's, we're trying to be. That is laughable. Um, so I and I find that to be very strange too. And I I had a I had a few people push me really hard on these points that I had made, and you know, try to say that I had had to be one or the other, that I have to have a viewpoint on the constitutional question. And I do. I have a viewpoint in the constitutional question. I believe that the island of Ireland should be unified. It's an island. It was Ireland, and it should, of course, be uh, one nation. So that's not going to be surprising to anyone to know that I believe in a united Ireland. It's also part of the Good Friday Agreement to have that's that right. aspiration. To have the, exactly, to have that aspiration. And if the rest of the people are on board, too, or at least enough of them, then the, exactly. the will of the people should be honored. So that's not going to be surprising. And you know, you can have a view on the constitutional question of whether you want to be part of a United Ireland or you want to remain part of the United Kingdom and also not ascribe to one political ideology. And it made me question, well, does that mean that the concept of unionism and nationalism is literally nothing more than the constitutional question? Is that all it's made up of? You either are for the union or against it and that therefore is your entire political identity? It seems that way if that's the questions that are being put to me on social media, which is, I'm sure, not accurate because surely those that ascribe to these belief systems believe in more than just one thing. Food for thought. But um, so the the middle grind um, is something that I've been talking about a little bit more. And um, this whole concept of them being uh, fence-sitters or perpetuating the status quo... Or extremists. That's just is, too funny. It's an interesting one, because um, I would like to know why that is. Why is it seen as as them being fence-sitters? I mean, certainly I wouldn't call myself a fence-sitter. I wouldn't say that I perpetuate the status quo. It's you got to pick a side. Pick, pick a damn side. <laughs> Quit being a flip-flopper. I mean, that is kind of the argument that those that push back against people that say they don't describe to those ideologies are saying. They're forcing those people further away. Because when you when someone says to you, this is how I am, this is my view, and you say, well, I don't accept that, you have to be something that I believe. Um, I actually think it, it pushes people away. And it's the you're doing the opposite of what that person wants. That person's saying, I don't identify as A or B, and you're saying, you've no choice, you have to be A or B. And yeah. I don't think that's very, I don't think that's a very respectful narrative to have or very inclusive. In fact, I think the perception of Northern Ireland as being one of two main ideologies is actually very exclusionary and excludes a lot of people in between. And I think that one way for us to progress as a society is to start to have more inclusive conversations and to explore a little bit more about what actually binds us, not what pushes us apart. Now, I know that some people will say, well, the what about the criteria for a border pool? Some have, I've, I've seen some express the view that if there are too many fence sitters or those who don't vote unionist or nationalist, well, then how are we supposed to ever have a border pool? But like, guys, it doesn't say that that's how a border pool would get called. 
It doesn't actually say at all what the criteria is for a border poll to get called, other than the fact that if the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland feels like it, he can call it, essentially. Well, he has to believe that a majority of people in Northern Ireland would vote for United Ireland, but it doesn't actually say in the Good Friday Agreement what that criteria would be, and we have no idea. It could be the census, um, could be an indicator, could be polls, it could be um, in terms of how the Assembly is made up, and we don't know the answer. So to take the viewpoint that if people are not voting for nationalist parties, then there won't be a border poll, you're kind of creating an entirely fictional narrative there, and you're using that as a means to try and force people who don't want to ascribe to a political ideology to ascribe to it for not really any reason. To, close, to wind up on this particular segment of uh, the others in Northern Ireland or the, the middle ground or whatever term you want to use to describe them, I really would like to explore as to why as a society this group receives so much negative attention. Why do people hate the middle ground so much? Um, I mean, hate's a strong word, but there's certainly a pushback from certain sections of our society that don't support those that won't just, you know, why won't they just conform to one or the other? And I think the fact that so many people in Northern Ireland are starting to move away from the um, two main political ideologies of this region is not a bad thing. It's a progressive step. It shows that we are growing and moving on from what was a very painful history. And also the entire world is changing. Everything is becoming more accessible and technology has changed the way that many of us are living our lives. And that's going to have an effect on people's viewpoints and people's uh, opinions and beliefs. So, and then add to that also, immigration is going to have a massive impact too. You know, we are now growing as a society into a much more multicultural society. And that's going to have an impact on people's political ideologies as well. So this concept that Northern Ireland is made up solely of unionists or nationalists, it's not true anymore, and it never really was true. But certainly now we are moving where larger sections of society are identifying as neither. The question is, where do we find the room for these people, and where do we find the respect to understand that it's okay not to be either in the same vein that it is okay to be either or? And I think part of the problem as to why this is perpetuated isn't just in terms of how we operate here in Northern Ireland, but how people outside of Northern Ireland view us. You know, you'll see the Irish government routinely refer to the people of Northern Ireland as unionist or nationalist. But like, what about everybody in between? Whenever the Shannon nominations were being uh, discussed, you know, there was a lot of talk about ensuring a unionist voice was in the Shannon. Well, what about someone who doesn't identify as unionist or nationalist? There are other people in Northern Ireland that don't, and shouldn't they also be represented? That was a question that I tried to put forward to people. So it's also done there, and it's also done in the UK too. And let's think about it. You know, like, people in the South aren't referred to solely based on the fact that they vote for Fine Gael or vote for Sinn Féin. Like, their political ideology is not their defining feature. So why is it the defining feature here? Well, Northern Ireland is a unique place for many reasons, uh, some of them not, not very fun reasons. 
Well, the question is, Jake, why is no one trying to figure out your political ideology? Um, I don't know. They already know I talk funny, so they just discount me immediately. If I'm, <laughs> if, I, if I'm not immediately able, if they can't immediately pinpoint what region of Northern Ireland I'm from, I feel like they've just, the people that want to pick a fight already are on to the next guy. Yeah, you're just too strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> any, most of the people that do uh, make comment are usually good hearted, just a bit of crack, you know, just making jokes about either like my appearance or my hair or like, you know, something like that. And not, not in a overtly derogatory manner. Usually just, like I said, having a bit of crack, a little ribbon is pretty <laughs> normal here. Um, well, I think in order to sort of round up this discussion about political ideologies here, um, I wanted to discuss the possible impact of those who don't identify as a unionist nationalist in the conversation of a united Ireland. Without a doubt, these conversations are already happening. And certainly over the last four years of Brexit, um, it has escalated. And in my view, we will certainly be holding a referendum on reunifying the island of Ireland, most likely within the next decade. But where are those who identify as neither going to fall? And that's definitely something that people should be uh, looking at. Because if we look at the demographics for those who vote unionist and those who vote nationalist, neither actually have a majority. And the others who don't identify as either, but who fall into that other wide range of political ideologies, in many ways are probably going to hold the card as to which way that referendum goes. In my view, a United Ireland can be won on the basis not of, um, it's not going to be, in my view, one on a sentimental um, ticket, but rather not, not an emotional ticket. It's going to be run on the economy and what's going to make people's lives better and whether we're going to be part of the EU, which in the event of United Ireland, we would be. And the fact that people here voted to remain part of the EU is going to be a major factor. Also, the fact that there doesn't seem to be any benefit to being part of the United Kingdom, uh, considering that they are going back to the 18th century here uh, with their draconian policies around immigration, their attempts to curb the judicial system, the whole, you know, British first sovereignty above everything else, cutting themselves off from the EU and the rest of the world doesn't really make it seem like a very attractive place. So United Ireland can definitely be one, but it's going to be one based on how we can convince those that don't identify with either traditional political ideology as to where is going to be the best opportunity. Equality of opportunity is going to be a massive part of that. What do you think, Jake? Definitely. You know, people have to feel that uh, in a united Ireland that they will be safe, that they won't feel targeted, that they'll still feel the freedom to be who they are, who they were up until the uh, referendum. Um, and there needs to be a great deal of information laid out to everyone here, as it was during the uh, lead up to the Good Friday Agreement. So everyone knows uh, there's no ambiguity as to what would happen in the event of United Ireland for everyone on every side of every aisle. Yeah, I believe that's the best um, pr process to go forward to. It should be taken much in the same vein as the Good Friday Agreement, where everyone is given a copy of what is going to happen. And in order to do that, there has to be years of work put in to research how everything is going to actually work. What about healthcare? Right. What yeah. about pensions? I saw someone was trying to make a post somewhere on Reddit. Someone was talking about how um, uh, there was a there was an article recently where they they had gathered a poll uh, 
asking if a, if a, if there was to be a United Ireland tomorrow, how many of you would support it? And what a what a completely ridiculous question. Like that people were trying to use that as obvious um, ammunition uh, against the idea of United Ireland saying, well, most people, if it was tomorrow, they wouldn't want it. Well, mm-hmm. it's like, of course they wouldn't want it. There's no information about it. You have no idea what it is. That's like the most uh, skewed means of determining whether or not there is support for United Ireland by by not even preparing people for the idea of what it would entail. You're just you're just leaving it up to the person you're asking what they fantasize a United yeah. Ireland. Well, I mean, is. that's that the people that vote in that uh, particular poll that vote for United Ireland, they're going to be basing that more based on their, um, you know, their emotional attachments. Exactly. Not an what academic. They, you know, and yeah, not based on how it's going to affect their day to day life, but people who believe that. A United Ireland is, you know, that is what we need right now, right here. It should have happened a long time ago. Right. Um, you know, maybe back whenever the other 26 counties uh, yeah. <laughs> got independence. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a massive part of society that are not going to vote until they know what they're voting for. As they should. Nobody really should them. be voting for something they don't know. I support well, a United Ireland. Brexit. But what? Say again. I mean, look at Brexit. Exactly. Yeah. No, nobody should be voting for anything that they're not, you know, up to date and educated on, you know, the details of. So, you know, I support a United Ireland, but if it came up today, they were just like, let's let's have a United Ireland. I, I probably still would vote for it. But I, another person like myself. Jesus, I got worried there. Jake. I know. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but another person like myself who, you know, was just ever so slightly more of the of the sense that, well, I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know what's on the on the docket here. They wouldn't vote for it, even though they like myself would vote for it in a heartbeat if they were given just a monicum of information about what it would entail. If there was some sense that this was an organized, you know, beneficial, mutually beneficial mm-hmm. for everyone. A uh, uh, bit of progress. So, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, healthcare is going to be probably one of the biggest issues that's going to come up in the discussions around United Ireland because the NHS right. is free at the point of service. Right. You yeah. know, so people are going to want to know what's going to happen. Nobody and it's going wants... to be used by the other side, you know, who are oh, going yeah. to say that, oh, well, you're not going to have the NHS and it, it's going yep. to be terrible and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So right. you need to have the research done that you can debunk any of those exactly. arguments. Exactly, exactly. And for me, I'm, I do find it concerning that, you know, this research is not being done right here, right now, because yeah. I think it will take a number of years to do it. And the reality is the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, that's who has the power to call a border poll and they can call it whenever they want. That's and right. if it's called before the proper research is done to ensure that we can make up a, a strong argument for a United Ireland, yep. then that is going to make the possibility of us being in the United Kingdom more likely. Exactly. So you need to be smart here, planning. What's the, what's the term? Uh, um, fail to prepare prepare to fail i like that i love that um but yeah so really uh, there needs to be preparation done in that but i do think that this middle ground are going to have a massive part to play and uh i'm at a point now where i'm quite comfortable and happy to share the fact that i am part of the middle ground i don't identify as either and i'm also comfortable and capable of saying that even though I don't identify as either of those political ideologies, I will be advocating for United Ireland because the two are not mutually exclusive. That's right. You can hold a different political ideology and have a view on the constitutional question. And you can be um, active politically 
and not be in one or two, a uh, one of two categories. Blasphemy, that's uh, heretic. <laughs> Get uh, cast thee out. Uh, and so I, I think to end off this episode, I really wanted to try to um, ask that all of us try to be a little bit more um, generous when we speak of political ideologies and when we try to think about this. Um, concept of Northern Ireland being made up of more than just two. And think about the fact that being seen in these binary uh, one or the other um, labels, it's actually being used against us. It doesn't benefit us in Northern Ireland to be referred to in this way. And I think that the more of us that are aware of that, the more we can try to break away from those prisms that are holding us back as a society. And also, fuck Trump. Thank you all for being a part of today's episode. Uh, we've appreciated discussing this wide spectrum of dis- uh, subjects to discuss here. So uh, I'll leave it with Emma to uh, close us out. You have been listening to the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us ramble about political ideologies. I hope it made even a semblance of sense. Take care. Bye.